say dudes and trenches. We are back at you live as we do now. It's exciting stuff, man. I love it. I love it too, man. I'm excited to really get more into this now. And uh looks like we're off to a good start. Two in a row. Can't be too upset about that. Absolutely. I wish Tug could be with us. He'll join us shortly, I'm sure, in due time. But we have plenty of news to talk about. We have a divisional round of the playoffs to preview. I'm sure you want to talk about those games in as much depth as possible. So let's go ahead and get started. What do you say? Absolutely. (laughs) Let's get into it, man. So starting off with the NFL news here, I guess really we should start off with quarterback situations. In the NFC East. Yeah. (laughs) Because let's start with the Eagles. There was a lot of talk between not just not just us last episode, but between the media and the general manager and the coach of the Eagles, right, asking whether or not Jalen Hurts was really going to be their quarterback going into next season. It sounds like the GM and coach are on the same page that he definitely is going to be the starter, which surprises me, actually. But I, I think I kind of like it. I like it too. I mean, it's the guy you drafted. You want to make sure you pay it back to him in a way. I guess that's the the easiest way to say it right now. And more than anything, like you can't find another guy that's more devoted to his team than Jalen Hurts has been. You can't find a better competitor than Jalen Hurts. He's right up there with hardest working athlete, not just player in the NFL. I think he's one of the hardest working ath- professional athletes out there right now. He's just not finding the success that I think the Eagles were hoping for and expecting when they drafted him. And maybe that's not all entirely his fault. I would say it's definitely not. And I'm amazed they made the playoffs at all. So I don't know what success they're hoping for here too. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is about the best they could have asked for. Uh, but I know that Prescott got himself in some hot water and this one off to you. What happened there? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously this is not, this was not news, right? Like we saw this on, like we knew about this on Tuesday. He made some comments, uh, basically supporting the fans for them being disgruntled with the referees, and even supporting the fans and throwing things at the referees at the, as they left the field. Now, I didn't bring it up on Tuesday because I know that was an emotional comment, and I wanted to give Dak Prescott the benefit of the doubt and time to collect himself and really think about what all this is. And he has come back from that. He's like, hey, that was wrong. Pretty much exactly what I said. I was I was upset and you know, I I would have done the same thing in the moment, but we can't have that happening. And I, you know, gotta say, like, this is this is part of the line that I've been a little upset with when talking about sports media, but you know, broader sports media is guys going in the locker rooms, getting on the fields, getting these immediate reactions. It's like well, what did you expect to happen? Like, you're up in these guys' face. Football, especially, is an emotional game. You're going to get reactions like that. And really, I, I don't know that it helps the sport or helps people want to tune in as much as you might think it would. I absolutely agree. And I also agree that Dak should have apologized for that. So, glad, glad to see that's cleared up now. And hopefully, you know, we haven't seen any issues with Dak in the past. I don't think this is going to be any kind of repeating problem here, but good to see it getting cleared up anyway. Uh, next up, we do want to talk about the Ben Roethlisberger situation. If, you know, at least keep it brief, but we don't know much, I guess, except that 
like Tomlin doesn't expect him to be back. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of in limbo here. And Tomlin is, I think, doing the right thing, going under the assumption that Ben Roethlisberger will not be back. There still has not been any official statement that he has retired. Um, don't know when that'll happen. Really, no, no, no even guess from me, honestly. I will say, though, it's been kind of interesting, some of the things that Mike Tomlin has come out and said. You know, Rudolph and Haskins don't look like everyday starters. But they will get their chance to prove me wrong. And I, that's essentially what he said. And I think that's something that's deserving for both of those guys. I know Haskins got some praise from Big Ben earlier in the season. Uh, but right. then it was also he's not working that hard in practice too, right? So, you know, hot and cold on the guy. And from what I saw when he played in Washington, I think there's enough to give him a shot. I don't think Mason Rudolph is the guy you want to move forward with at all. And another reason I think Haskins has maybe a little more value is, uh, you know, Tomlin was asked, what are you looking for in a new quarterback? What do you want out of a new quarterback? And he said, quote, man, quarterback mobility is valued. So Haskins definitely has a little bit of that. It's not the main part of his game. But, I mean, you got to see him play at Ohio State. You can speak more to more to his skill set than I can. Yeah, he's not a mobile quarterback at all. He's, he's the close. He's the closest thing Ohio State had to a pure pocket passer since Joe Bowserman. I mean, <laughs> he got out of the pot. And okay, so I guess that can be taken a couple ways. You want to? Do you want a guy like Lamar Jackson that'll right. is more run first, or do you want a guy like Dwayne Haskins who can stand in the pocket, but when he has to, will get out of the way? I yeah. guess it's more. I'm more basing it off the comparison that we go from JT Barrett to. Dwayne Haskins to Justin Fields, and Dwayne Haskins definitely doesn't have their, either of their mobility at that position, but I think what you're saying is probably more in line with what Tomlin was actually trying to say there. And that's kind of how want, I took You want a guy who can get out of the pocket. You want a guy who can escape pressure. And even for his size, Big Ben was able to do that early on right. in his career, and that absolutely elevated his game. I think that's probably why he fell off as much as he did. Didn't and I will him. say, Dwayne Haskins, again, knocking his mobility, was one of the most sacked quarterbacks in recent Ohio State history. And you maybe could chalk that up to he also has the Ohio State record for passing yards in the season, right? If you throw the ball more often, the chance of you getting sacked goes up. Ah, yeah. it, I don't know that he's as mobile as people expected him to be. And I don't know if he ever was that mobile. So, you know, like Tomlin said, he can prove me wrong. Yeah, and I mean, it is – it's depressing that Big Ben's going to go out the way that he is, but more than likely. Uh, but, man – not everybody gets to go out on top. That's just that's just the sad truth of it. Well, speaking of uh, not going out on top, uh, what about coming back in on the bottom? Uh, Damon Arnett's got re-signed by somebody. That's exciting. Man, I don't even know why I know this. It doesn't seem like something like notification-worthy. But I saw that Damon Arnett got signed to a futures contract by the Chiefs. I guess technically he's back in the league. Good for him. 
Yeah, I mean, this was a guy we were talking about just last episode. Right. Gets drafted in the first round by Mike Mayock and the Raiders. Does some stupid stuff on social media and gets cut. Couldn't, you know, couldn't retain him on the team. It's cool to see him get a second shot here. But, man, it is a – it's kind of a, a – lowly return i can't even really think of the best way to say it go from being a first round draft pick to a practice squad guy basically well and it's it was always confusing i will admit i tried to defend the arnett pick last episode but he's a slot corner you typically don't draft those guys until like the fourth fifth round for a good reason too i mean they're they really are less valuable than other positions inherently by the nature of what they do I don't see a real path for Damon Arnett getting on the field in Kansas City. And that's not a huge compliment to Kansas City's defensive back room. That's more of a knock on Damon Arnett at this point. So we'll see what happens. It's really interesting. <laughs> it's very interesting. And it's something I want to keep an eye on. But I definitely am not going to be keeping an eye on it as much as I have been keeping an eye on these uh other professional leagues going on, mostly in the spring, right? USFL has USFL has obviously been the one catching the most eyes here. And this was something we've talked about in the past that has now been 100% completely confirmed. All games will be taking place in Birmingham, Alabama. I, that might have been 100% confirmed already, and we were just trying to figure out the stadiums. Well, I got the answer for that. Between 8 and 11 games, there isn't a definite, yes, it'll be this many games lined in the sand here yet. But between 8 and 11 games will be played at Legion Field, the old Iron Lady, which is incredible to me because I've never been, but everybody I've talked to has said that stadium should just be condemned. So that seems kind of high, but they do have a second stadium, protective stadium, and the rest of the games will be played there. What I found interesting at first was that the city of Birmingham is not charging the USFL anything to use these stadiums. They're going to be using the stadiums for free, which is a huge expense, along with travel, right? Every game's going to be taking place in Birmingham. It's free stadiums. That's, that's huge. That's huge for the league. However, the way the city of Birmingham is going to be getting their money back is going to be poured into their economy. There's going to be between – there's going to be over, or I should say at least 40,000 hotel room nights to house the players and staffs of all the teams in the USFL. And that That's is just, good. yeah, if you want to talk, you know, you probably making more than you would on the stadiums and you get to say that you helped launch the new USFL. So I think Birmingham's, you know, I think that's awesome what they're doing, letting them use the stadiums for free. But I think it's also pretty calculated too. I'm just trying to find out how many hotel rooms there are in Birmingham, Alabama. It's got to be a lot less than that. <laughs> well, you know, it's like you're going to stay in the hotel room for 100 nights. You right. got, you know, 4,000 of them. So, I don't know. It's uh, it's huge. I wish I had some more news on the FCF today. I just don't. And uh, those are really the two big, you know, big leagues that we're focusing on. The XFL, The Rock's been doing a tour, basically, just talking up this, the league. That's still a year out. We'll definitely get into more about that as we get closer. For right now, though, that's all I have uh, in the non-NFL pro world. 
Well, speaking of the Rocks tour, did you see him on the Manning cast? Yeah, <laughs> that was. I think that was like his biggest stop of the whole thing. If he could pull one of the Manning brothers to be a coach, that would be that'd be worthwhile. That'd be fun. I doubt it yeah. will happen. But you know they would just zoom in on Eli's face half the game, and then people would just make fun of it. So, and that's absolutely what I want. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and jump into college news. We have a little bit to talk about here. Mostly, actually, all three of these are college coaching news, to be more specific. But I'm a huge fan of Gary Patterson, and I am glad to see him land on his feet here. He, I guess, kind of technically is moving up in the world, uh, joining the University of Texas as special assistant to the head coach there. Essentially created a position to get Gary Patterson involved somehow in the Longhorns. Hey, TCU beat Texas, what, four of the last five years or something crazy like that? So it makes perfect sense to me. How much of that is TCU succeeding versus Texas falling apart? I mean, that's fair, but at the same time, Texas is the kind of program where they feel like they should never lose to TCU. Whether that's true or not, leave that up to you to decide. I'm sure that's what they feel like. But, you know, glad to see Gary Patterson get a job so quickly. I I knew that he would. He was head coach for 19 years or something crazy. At least on TCU staff in some capacity for that long. I am absolutely certain he will get another head coaching opportunity if he wants one. Probably very soon. Hopefully. Hopefully. It was just time for him to be done at TCU, though. I mean, it was. was. Something had to give. It will not be at Western Michigan, though, because they just extended their guy, Tim Lester. Got a two-year extension, technically, but it has a clause in there, automatic one-year extensions. Every season, they get eight-plus wins. This year would be one of those years where they won – Exactly eight games. Now, Tim Lesser, in case you didn't know, because who pays this much attention to Western Michigan football? Fair enough. Uh, Western Michigan fans. He is a former WMU quarterback and also, you know, has been a pretty successful coach for them the last four seasons. This year, also very, very interesting. They beat two conference champions in the regular season. They beat Pitt, and then they beat Northern Illinois, who went on to win the MAC. They also did win their bowl game. So a pretty great season for Western Michigan. And even their guy, I always like to see that. It's interesting because, yeah, I mean, I think everybody wants them to be the next P.J. Fleck, he had huge shoes to fill at Western. And I don't know that he will ever be that, but I think he's done as good as you could expect somebody to do replacing it. Being a Memphis fan, I think I've been very lucky to see them go from Justin Fuente to actually get better, in my opinion, under Mike Norvell. And, you know, kind of going through the same thing right now with Silverfield, right? So 
it's nice to see that the university at least understands that this was going to be a bit of a transition and they I don't want to say they set the bar low, but they set it in a reasonable area for a team like Western Michigan to want to achieve to be, you know, have their goal eight wins, nine wins. I think that's a good goal for really a lot of these group of five teams. And again, that really sucks to say. Well, I think it's also worth noting, especially in the Mac, eight wins puts you squarely in competition to at least make the conference title game every yeah. single year. Yep. So that's it is a worthy season for Western Michigan for sure. One last bit of interesting news out of college this week: Arkansas is able to retain and actually extend their offensive coordinator, Kendall Bryles. If that name is familiar. It's probably because of his and his father's stints at Baylor. Uh, he's also been an offensive coordinator for Ole Miss and somebody else in the SEC. I can't remember right now. But staying with Arkansas, that's a pretty big deal. He was getting pulled. You know, Miami was going hard after Kendall Bryles. And to see him stay in Arkansas, that's pretty awesome. And one of our podcast favorite teams. <laughs> and their offense has been very good the last two years. So it's good to see even that staff together. I think the best thing, too, is they've been developing something down there. They've been building something. And you absolutely saw it this year that the offense runs through their quarterback. And he having the same offensive coordinator, being able to keep that staff there, is only going to help his progression. And it's only going to help the Razorbacks in the long run, right? You can't tell me there's anything negative about this because, you know, Miami, yeah, it might be the sexier job title. But K.J. Jefferson is going to be so much better off, and this offense is going to be so much better off because K.J. Jefferson's so much better off. Well, and I, I don't – Miami's a little bit. Yeah. I couldn't tell you right now. And I don't know – that that plays so much into it. But Arkansas, even when they were bad, like the past, you know, the two, three years before they finally started to win, I was saying, man, they're a cut handful of plays away from being in a bowl game. Right. Now they're getting to the point where they're a handful of plays away from being in the SEC championship game. Now I understand some of those games are against Alabama. Sometimes they have to play Georgia. But even still, being two or three plays away from making a real impact against Alabama, Auburn, Texas A&M every season, that's hard to do. It's pretty impressive. Exactly. And, you know, the thing that really hurts Arkansas the most is they just don't have that national brand. But I got to tell you, I think they're – I definitely think they're building something here. We will always be Razorbacks fans. Big dude to the trenches podcast. (laughs) <laughs> until they try to get Brett Bielema again golly I can't say that guy anyway that's all we got for news let's go ahead and talk about these divisional round matchups we have four of them they're all this weekend obviously and uh, I don't know what order we exactly want to do this in do we want to go in actual game order do we want to go in conference order uh, kind of up to you Take it over to you, man. That's a good sound right there. Yeah, I just realized I have this label wrong, too. 
Nice. <laughs> My mistake. What happens when uh? Yeah, we're live. I didn't actually happens. go look at the games. Yeah. There we go. Bengals at Titans. The Bills are coming to Kansas City. We got that fixed now. So, I, I have no changes to my picks. So, I figure we can just announce our picks as we talk about the games. Yeah, yeah. That's So, that's fine with me. Uh, originally, I had the Patriots beating the Bills, and it would have been Patriots-Titans. Well, I got the confusion there if you saw it. Um, I Even with that, I don't think the Bengals are going to beat the Titans. However, I do think that this is going to be – the best game of the weekend. I know you said it last week, and the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. The reason for that is there's a little bit of unknown with what Derrick Henry's going to be able to do. And well, even even to him, he has come out and said he's going to wait and see what he's capable of doing. Yeah, and... Very. Well... On it's that scary note, for both teams, honestly. <laughs> yeah, on that note, talking about a returning running back who missed a majority of the year, Cam Akers. We talked about him a little bit in the last episode. Right. I mean, we all saw what Cam Akers was able to do. Right. And Derrick Henry is a better running back than Cam Akers. I don't think that's a controversial thing to say. If he can get involved, a healthy A.J. Brown, and you've got Julio Jones potentially getting out there, this is going to be a tough team to stop. Now on the same side of the token, though, or the flip side of the token, however you want to look at it, Joe Burrow's been really damn good. And I mean really damn good recently. Wouldn't that be the same side of a different token? Yeah, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But, I mean, he who can he not throw the ball to? Oh, and right. you go on and cover everybody? Magically, you're able to cover everybody? He'll just hand it off to Joe Mixon, who's been... Well, and the Titans certainly aren't going to be able to cover everybody. It's one of their biggest issues. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's interesting, man. I, I'm i definitely looking forward to this one more than anything. Yeah, so I actually originally had this picked as my AFC title game for reasons i guess but now it's happening the divisional round i still expect it to be a fantastic game like i said last episode and yeah i'm still picking the titans in this one even though i think this could end up being like a field goal game for real this is this should be a pretty good one if it's not a good one i would say it'd be a blowout in favor of the titans if it is a good one i would say it's gonna be a close one in favor of the titans so either way I feel like the team with a bye and home field advantage and getting everybody back from injury all at once, it feels like momentum's on their side. It feels like a lot of things are going to go their way. Yeah, and I got to say, too, the, the more I think about this, the more I think things go in favor of the Titans. Both teams had bad losses this year. The Bengals lost to the Bears. The Titans lost to the Jaguars or the Jets. I mean... Didn't lose the Jaguars. Did lose the, the Jets. It was it was only the Jets. Yeah, I mean, both teams have had bad games. The Titans have more experience. The Titans have more talent. And even though both teams have shown just how bad they could be, the Titans have that little bit extra that I think will help get them over the hump here. 
Well, and so I'm what? definitely taking Mike Vrabel over Zach Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's controversial at all. Uh, just to throw it in here, Tug is sticking with the Titans in this game. He actually, this was one of the only games he had pegged correctly. Um, so, you know, completely actually, correct. Actually, he picked the entire AFC correctly. Yeah. So, he has the next but, one, too. Know, he, he is going to stick with his bracket here. And for the record, uh, both of us, or all three of us, are sticking with the Titans moving on to the AFC Championship game. Moving on to our next game, though, this is the Bills-Chiefs game. I'm interested to see how this one goes, though. You got two this great passing that, attacks. A lot more people are expecting this one to be a great game. For a good reason, though, I will say. It should be pretty good. I think it's going to be a great game if all you want to see is big passes. Fair. Uh, and I think the Chiefs secondary has gotten a little bit better. I think they'll be able to at least slow down Josh Allen and the Bills. But I don't think they're that much better. And I don't think that the Bills are that great on defense in the secondary either. All their strength on defense is on that front seven. Mostly on the line for that matter. So it... I don't want to say it's going to be a shootout, but I've got a very good feeling that this is just going to be a massive shootout this weekend in Kansas City. Well, right. We talked about it last week. The Bills put up a touchdown every possession. The Chiefs can certainly do that, too. For me, one thing to consider is the Chiefs also have home field advantage, yeah. which is a real thing, especially at Arrowhead, right? I mean, that's one of the best places to have home field. So I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one. Even though it should be a shootout, it should be two high-powered offenses like pretty much everyone expects. I pretty much expect that, too. Both defenses have had their moments. Man, I don't see it happening. <laughs> this is going to be a high-scoring game. Yeah. I'm also taking the Chiefs, and really, all of that is predicated on the home field advantage that is Arrowhead Stadium. I mean, come on. Second loudest stadium, open air stadium in the world. That's got to mean right. something, right? Doesn't mean anything uh, to Tug, though. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything to Tug. He's taking the Bills. I don't, I mean, I, I don't know if I completely disagree with this either, though. I don't. The Bills are talented for sure. I think you got to give them a slight edge in the running game, even though they're very running back by committee. Yeah. Honestly, at this point, I'm not certain I could name you a running back for the Bills. You know, it feels like they get rotated out every every two weeks. There's like a new three guys. That's what it feels like. I know that's not really true, but man, I, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been good. He has not been a first-round running back. And he does fit what they want to do in that offense. So maybe he was the right pick for the Chiefs in particular. But, yeah, I mean, they don't have a spectacular running game. Neither and do I, the Bills. I think if you're looking at this, that's those are really the two big things you got to look at. I mean, special teams is obviously going to be third on this list. Both teams have had great special teams play. I don't, I can't think of a gaffe from either team. It's really going to come down to the run game and the defense. I mean, the pass defense particularly. I think what might give Buffalo a slight edge – you know, and maybe give a little more credence to Tug's pick here, is that Josh Allen 
is way better at getting out of the pocket and running downfield downfield than anything we've seen Patrick Mahomes do. Patrick Mahomes is great about running around in the pocket, running around right. behind the line of scrimmage, trying to That's wait, get a guy open. I, right. I just I don't know. You got to think. What was it last year? Was it two years ago? I think it had to have been last year when it took Chad Henney to come in against the Browns for them to get a QB run game going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Also, uh, to bring up a similar point I brought up last game, who would you rather go with, Andy Reid or Sean McDermott? And I know the gut reaction is going to be Andy Reid. I want to say it's closer than people will would likely admit. Sean McDermott has done an incredible job in Buffalo. You got to think, they didn't make a playoff game for 17 years. He came in there, they've made four out of the five he's been there. They haven't gone on huge deep runs with him yet. I certainly believe they are capable of that. And they've had the most success they've had since the early 90s, thanks to Sean McDermott coming in. And we've seen the development of Josh Allen, but we've also seen the development of... I mean, Micah Hyde wasn't anything special until he got to Buffalo. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. There's been some real player development in Buffalo and some real working the scheme around the players that you have. That's some high-level coaching. I think the coaching battle is closer than a lot of people would think on the surface. Yeah. I would still give the coaching edge to Andy Reid. He's got the experience. He's been there. I mean, hell, for the longest time. Just getting to the, the you know the conference championship game, that was Andy Reid's calling card. So when he finally was able to get over that hump and take the Eagles to the Super Bowl, everybody was really tuned in to see, hey, what is going to happen here? They they lost to the, the Patriots because everybody loses to the Patriots in the Super Bowl, unless your last name is Manning. Different story. Or Foles. Or Foles. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I think what's worth pointing out, the Steelers were definitely the worst team. They earned that seven seed, they still scored 21 points on the Chiefs, right? And the Chiefs only scored 42. Meanwhile, the evil empire, the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick, with a rookie quarterback, only scored 17 points to the Bills' 47. Right, so that brings up kind of my next point. If we're going to follow the line of coaching, maybe we do give the head coaching job, you know, the spot, the edge, to Andy Reid. Who do we give it to out of these coordinators? Because Eric Bannemi, Brian Dable is freaky close. Leslie Frazier, Steve Spagnuolo is also really close. It just makes, if you're a fan of any NFL team that's middling or struggling, you you can't do anything. You better watch jealous. this game. <laughs> yeah, it's just, and it's so painful. Or, you know, you're a fan of a team that, just fired a head coach. You absolutely want right. to watch this game because right. there's going to be four candidates on those sidelines. <laughs> and what's crazy is I think Spagnola is the only one that I haven't seen right. on any That's of this. So, you know, maybe he needs to prove himself for a few more years. And, hey, Buffalo's defense has not been uh, – or, sorry, he's Kansas City, right? Their mm-hmm. defense, they've been a little dis- more disappointing than Buffalo's. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. 
his time as head coach of the Rams was not good. Spagnuolo, I think that's, but, yeah, I think that's in everybody's mouth. So, yeah. Still, I mean, he's been great as a defensive coordinator his whole career, and with the Chiefs, this is his third year there, and they've been better than the collection of talent indicates that they should be. Honestly, they still have a great interior of that defensive line. Nick Bolton has come on very well for a rookie. They have some good defensive back play. Um, but like, I, like I've said, the collection of talent doesn't seem to be there on defense. It feels like they could use two more corners, really. It feels like they could use another linebacker. They certainly need edge rusher help, right? And yet the defense makes it work, at least most of the time. So that's got to be credit to the coaching staff. This is going to be a close game. It should be a good one. And yet, for some reason, I'm taking the Titans-Bengals as probably the best game of the weekend. I think it's just going to be a more complete game, man. I really do. You know, it's it's hard to really point to any weakness on either team, the Bengals and the Titans. Titans secondary a little bit. Bengals, youth, that's really the biggest knock you got on them. I don't know. I don't know. And, and you got to think, too, uh, you know, home field advantage is a thing. Nissan Stadium, it's not the biggest home field advantage in the world. It certainly does compare to Buffalo, to Kansas City. Well, they Hell, are. Don't even compare to Cincinnati. They are restricting how many tickets can be sold to Cincinnati fans. Somehow, that's that's a Nashville thing. That is a Nashville thing through and through. Dealt with, oh, yeah. with hockey for years, so I don't know, man. I don't know. The AFC is going to be fun. If they don't have a home field advantage, they'll create one artificially. Always. <laughs> that's the Nashville way. <laughs> Before we move over to the NFC, you got anything else you want to add here between either of these games? I can't think of anything else to talk about. I just want to see these games finally happen. I feel like we've been, not even us on the show, uh, my my supervisor and manager are Bengals fans at work, my day job. So I feel like I've been having this conversation of titans Bengals for I don't know, 19, 20 weeks now. <laughs> so I, I just want to see this happen. I know I'm ready for it. Moving over to the NFC, one game that I am very ready for is 49ers at Packers. Now, you might recall, and I, you know we didn't bring this up earlier, but this is a good time to bring it up. Earlier in the year, Packers drive down the field late. And uh, Aaron Rodgers does what he does late in games, score a touchdown, they win the game. Uh, this had Cowboys fans riled up a lot, so Dak making his statement today when he did really, really helped calm some of the tides there because when you go back and watch that game-winning drive, the referee that spots the ball was almost meeting the ball carrier as he went to the ground as opposed to being 30 yards behind the play. I don't want to see anything like that. I don't want to see I, – I don't, I don't – I especially don't want to see what happened to the Cowboys because what – as much as it pains me to say, seeing that happen to the Packers makes me think that that's the way the refs – you know, he was just in a better position. He was actually doing his job. And that in the Cowboys game, we had another case of just bad referees, bad officiating. 
right? I want to see this game officiated well. I don't want to see this called one way or another. And I also want to see the streak continue. Aaron Rodgers is 0-1-3 against the 49ers in the playoffs. And that's why I'm sticking with the 49ers getting the upset here. Even though they're going to have to go to Green Bay, even though it's going to be in single digits, even though it's going to be negative with the wind chill, they're rolling. And they got hot at the right time. And I'm telling you, we need this poetic justice of them beating the Rams in the next round and going to the Super Bowl and winning when the Rams had the chance to keep them from getting to the playoffs at all. Man, that would be brutal. I would also expect Aaron Rodgers to retire if he loses this weekend. Just get out of here. You're done. All the more reason for me to vote for the 49ers. I respect your reasoning. I unfortunately have to disagree. The Packers clearly do feel like the better team. But I will say there are some matchup issues to watch out for, especially with, I don't know, Nick Bosa. Uh, He's a matchup issue for everyone, though. Uh, Yeah. The Packers offense is really good. It's not just one side of the field that they can operate on. They can operate on both, and they can operate on both sides of the field very well. So I expect the Packers to put up some points. Um, I don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo can keep up with Aaron Rodgers. Hot take there. And, you know, uh, I also really like the take that we have to see the streak continue. That was the same reasoning that I picked the Jaguars over the Colts in Week 18. <laughs> Lightning yeah, doesn't we'll strike we'll twice. <laughs> maybe not for you, but I'm using that reasoning now. So maybe, maybe you know, it's got a little bit left there. You know, now that I'm picking the Packers, all I'm doing is guaranteeing that the 49ers win this game. So, thank you, pick, thank you for pick. sacrificing sacrificing your pick there. Uh, Tug is keeping the Packers as his team for what it's worth, too. Um, and I think we mentioned it. He is taking the Bills as well, uh, just to recap we did. there. We did. Okay. Uh, so he's taking the Packers, and it should be no surprise. He still expects them to win the Super Bowl. And I hate it, but I don't completely not see it there. Now, right. breaking this down a little bit more, the Packers absolutely win the quarterback matchup. There's no question about it. When we start getting into the wide receiver matchup, maybe they have a slight edge just because they have Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams time, is worth three 49ers receivers. Um, I, will exactly. say, I will say that the 49ers have a special, what did he call himself, a wide back now? Something just like a, that. The gadget player, the do-everything guy who makes up for the 49ers lack of a running back. That's that's probably fair. <laughs> it's uh it's gonna be interesting. I think another thing that I want to look at too though is you know Devonta Adams gives him that edge. Alan Lazard, a lot of people knock him all the time. I don't fully understand it, although I'm always for hating on the Packers to begin with, so I don't hate it either. Everybody hates it because he wasn't a first-round pick at receiver, and that's all yeah. the Packers fans want anymore. So it, they hate on MBS as well. Yeah, They're fine. Uh, that was that was the other guy I was going to get to. So I, I don't completely understand it. One another thing too, 
we talked about Brandon Ayuk early on in the season as well, that he just wasn't getting going, wasn't getting hot. But it was worth noting that Jimmy G had been hurt a lot last year, so that wasn't who was throwing the ball to begin with. Now it looks like he's starting to build a little bit of rapport with him, definitely give the tight end battle to Kittle here. Right. And then, yeah, they don't have a running back, but they got Kyle Juszczyk. So, really, do you need a traditional halfback when you got a fullback like that? As I will as say, I, I really love that 49ers Super Bowl, what, three years ago at this point now? Two years ago. Okay. Um, 53. It was Fox rolling out some new graphics, and they were having these, like, cartoon animations of people, you know, when they, they scored a so touchdown, they had the, the drawing <laughs> of Patrick Mahomes, they had that nice big drawing of whoever else, and then the first touchdown of the game was Kyle Juszczyk. And they were just like, okay, well, our graphics ruined. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a beautiful thing to see, and it, it would also be poetic justice for me, because I remember a guy by the name of John Kuhn, fullback for the Packers, that just absolutely tore everybody up. When when all their other guys were getting tired, whether it was Bubba Franks or whoever was you know playing wide receiver for him, then all of a sudden they just turn around and hand it to this fullback that runs straight up the center's ass and ten yards down the field. Beautiful. What are you gonna do? Beautiful. That's how Jim Brown won three MVPs. <laughs> if you look at the defense, though, man, it's a pretty even matchup. Both teams. Really I'd is. give a slight edge to the 49ers, honestly, because I have more faith in their secondary than I do the Packers secondary. And a lot of that is because Kevin King is in that secondary. But that being said, coaching-wise... Playing, playing Kevin King is... You might as well just play with 10 guys on the field. He'd probably he's be gotten better. better. He's gotten better. Better than a like negative value? Oh, great. Well, the problem is he he had to get better, right? Because the guy playing across from him, you don't want to be throwing his way too often. Right. Right. You learn pretty fast when you're getting thrown the ball every single play. Oh, it's going to be interesting to see who does Jair Alexander go with, though. You think he's going to be on Debo Samuel all night? I would say that... Alexander is probably best suited to be covering Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. But then you got Kevin King on Debo Samuel. And he's going to get you have a You have a multitude of people on Debo Samuel. <laughs> you can shut down Ayuk with Alexander, and that's probably your best matchup there. And then Debo Samuel, you allocate the rest of your resources to. And that's that might be the key to victory for the Packers. But under no circumstances will I change my pick. <laughs> I because, respect it. Yeah. I do. I understand. There are some real matchup issues here. And it's going to be an interesting schematic battle. Going back to the head coaching matchup discussion, who do we want to go with here? Matt LaFleur is a very young guy. He's also gone basically 13-3 and three, three years in a row. I say that because you know, the fourth loss this year was in week 18 when it didn't matter anymore. They rested everybody, so mm-hmm. might as well have gone 13-3, and three, three years in a row. Pretty good. Also, haven't gone too far in the playoffs yet. You know, if you want to see a Super Bowl appearance in there at least. Um, 
man, I, Kyle Shanahan comes from a great pedigree. Um, has he done much for that to... matter? Lafleur might not have the family name, but both of these guys had that 2013 Washington team looking nice. Right. right. Man, I I don't know that Kyle Shanahan has done enough to make me pick him over Matt Lafleur. I also don't know that Matt Lafleur has been a head coach long enough to make me pick him over Kyle Shanahan. This is a weird head coaching matchup for me. They're both supposed to be these like offensive geniuses. The only one who has an MVP on his team is Matt LaFleur. So I think LaFleur though, it's a lot of Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich. How much of it was them was was it LaFleur just getting out of Aaron Rodgers' way? Because that was a big reason that McCarthy got run out of town. Was that he was trying to micromanage Aaron Rodgers. He wasn't letting him run free. LaFleur basically got there, and it was even this year. This year, I'd say it was worse than last year. It was very bumpy at the start of the season. Got the ship corrected, and they got the number one number one overall seed after not just losing to the Saints. They got their doors blown off. Like, that should almost count as two losses. So you can talk about the fact that, you know, that last one doesn't count. That first one should almost be two losses. To be fair, to right the ship as well as he did, takes a phenomenal coaching effort. Or Aaron Rodgers stopped being a prima donna. You know, whichever. Which takes somebody in the room having balls. Wouldn't it be Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> so, I guess it was Matt LaFleur. I refused to. There's, there's I know. no chance. I know. This is like me. You trying to convince me to say that John Harbaugh's a good coach or something. It's not going to happen. I just well, you did, and now I'm going to clip that. Wow, it's going to be a soundboard for us. Except I said it in a little bit of a sarcastic voice, so that's fine. Too obvious. That's fine. <laughs> we got pitch corrected too. For a reason. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Man. our picks for this game, and that's I will enough. say very, very fun stat here that both of those coaches are younger than Tom Brady. <laughs> And so That's is the disgusting. coach he will be facing. Sean McVay is also younger than Tom Brady. Who was also <laughs> on that 2013 Washington yeah. staff. This is... Man, that should have been a great offense. <laughs> it should have been a great team. Man. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. I, I've got the Rams in this one. I'll just get my pick out of the way. Let's just go. Let's just go there. I got the Rams. Who do you got? the Rams. Tug also has the Rams, and I would like to say up front, we're all committing the Cardinal sin of picking against right. Tom Brady in the playoffs. I know. I Here's know. the problem. It was going to happen at some point. I, I, I legitimately do not see them winning the Super Bowl this year. But if they make the Super Bowl, you can bet if I put any money down anywhere, I will put it on the Buccaneers because I'm not betting against Brady in the Super Bowl. Like that's just I'll, I'll say that up front, even though I'm not picking the Buccaneers to win this game. The main reason I'm not picking the Buccaneers to win this one 
is they're really starting to show some weakness here. And I know, how can you say that after what they did to the Eagles? Come on. It was, it was the Eagles. And I think Dallas has a better offense than Tampa Bay. Not to mention the fact they haven't lost any of the weapons that Tampa Bay has. Tampa Bay slowed down a little bit losing Antonio Brown. The issues with uh, Godwin are still there. He's not 100%. And the running back situation. right? It's, it's not bad. It's not great. It's not what they wanted. It's not what they had. So the Rams right, I'm taking have Cam Akers over Super Bowl win. Yeah. I mean, the Rams have everything that you want right, right now. And I think I'm, what's I'm sneaky. Taking, taking Cooper Cup over Mike Evans. Well, and I think what's sneaky about their offense, too, is you double Cooper Cup, then you got to deal with Odell. Odell Beckham Jr.? Right. You get those two guys covered. One of the sneakiest guys in the league, a lot like C.J. Ozama, who we didn't give a lot of love to earlier, by the way. Mm-hmm. But Tyler Hibby's had an amazing season, mm-hmm. kind of out of nowhere. And he's starting to get a lot more respect, but the problem is – can't really guard all those guys. Now, you could say the same thing about the Buccaneers very easily. However, being down Godwin, Antonio Brown no longer being on the team, it makes a difference. It definitely makes a difference. And I would also say the Buccaneers' defense feels like it has regressed in a lot of ways. And the insane level that their defensive backs were playing at at the end of last year, I haven't seen it. And the way their pass rush was really getting after it at the end of last year and really the beginning of this year. I haven't seen it lately. Where did it go? Maybe they do get it back right now. Maybe they're going to kick it to a whole other gear. Maybe they were just biding their time waiting on the divisional round. It's hard for me to believe that because I haven't seen it. So, it is dangerous picking against Tom Brady. But he has lost in the playoffs before. It is possible. I like this Rams team a lot. And I kind of see some similarities between this Rams team and that Titans team from two years ago. That had more picks against Brady than I think he's thrown in his entire career in one night. His yep. last pass as a as a Patriot was an interception. I'm pretty sure it was a pick six, if I remember correctly. That's something for me to look up later. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know for sure his last pass was a was a interception. I remember that. I don't remember if it was a pick six or not. I, I don't either. He might have gone down to keep from fumbling it and Either way, I think this Rams defense has that ability. I think this Rams offense is near unstoppable. You know, obviously, we talked about the Bills who were actually unstoppable. The biggest thing here is I think the Rams defense is more complete. You know, you talk about the fall off that the Buccaneers secondaries had. The Rams haven't had that. They had a couple bad games, but overall – Where's the weak spot on this defense? You can't point to it and say this is this is for sure the weak spot. They even went out and got Von Miller. Didn't really need him because Leonard Floyd has become an amazing pass rusher. Everything everybody in Chicago wanted him to be while he was there. 
it was a great compliment to Aaron Donald. But hey, you're great. We will keep you around. But let's get this ring this year. We're going to bring in a future Hall of Famer, a former Super Bowl MVP. Not only him, future Hall of Famer, but maybe safety Eric Weddle, too, in that same conversation. I mean, why not? Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> right. I mean, this whole defense is pretty loaded. Again, you could say the same thing for the Buccaneers, but it feels like they've fallen off on defense in a way that I certainly didn't expect. I thought the defense was going to be the best part of that team this year, and it really hasn't been. It's been Tom Brady just lighting things up again. But without some of his key weapons, maybe this game goes a little bit differently than what it sounds like it should on the surface. And I I didn't buy into the hype around Matt Stafford at the beginning of the year as much as it felt like everybody was. He seemed like a people were treating him like the absolute savior of the Rams franchise. He's going to come in and have a competing for Super Bowls right away. I didn't buy it. But he had a really good season. And even though he started throwing some interceptions at the end there, really, it's got to be up there as his best season ever. And he got his first playoff win under his belt just last week. I feel like they could go on a run here. An interesting stat here is that every time Tom Brady has beaten Matt Stafford, he's gone on to win the Super Bowl. Hmm. Now, the problem is two of the times he did that was when Matt Stafford was on the Lions. And, of course, you know, they beat the Rams earlier this season in what was a great match. And this rematch is expected to be as good. Saying that, I'm still going with Bengals-Titans, the best game of the week. I know. (laughs) Actually, all four of these ought to be really good games. That's all we can just for, man. Right. We thought there should be some good games last week, too. And it ended up not really being any of them. So, we'll see. Going back to this point, though, he has to now beat Matt Stafford a second time. And I think the Rams have only gotten better as the season has gone on, whereas I don't know that I can say the same thing for the Buccaneers. When you look at the Rams, and yeah, they – had their streak broken, they lost the last game of the of the regular season to the 49ers. You know, already touched on that, right? I think they were coasting a little bit, and the 49ers snuck up on them. Now, if that matchup happens again, I don't think that'll happen. I think the 49ers are going to have to completely earn that game. I right. you know, predict they will, but that's neither here nor there right now. The only edge I can really give to the Buccaneers 100%. It's not even Bruce Arians. It's Tom Brady. Right? And the only thing that could really slow down Tom Brady is when you take away his weapons. So you look at his biggest weakness, it's got to be Gronk. And that's not a knock on him. He's been kind of fragile. He's missed stretches of time. He always seems to get healthy at the right time. And he's always there to make an impact. I hope that's the case because I want as much as I want the Rams to win, I don't want them to do it against a less than 100% Buccaneers team. Right. You want to see strength on strength and the bigger strength to come out on top, ideally. So let's do the coaching matchup. I feel like we have to at this point. We did it for the three other games. Yeah. Sean McVay versus Bruce Arians. <laughs> That's a weird conversation. I honestly don't have a good answer for you. 
Well, I would like to point out that uh, Sean McVay has coached against Tom Brady once before in the playoffs. It was actually in the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, Tom Brady's not on defense. He didn't stop that offense, but I don't know how much. Yeah, I don't know how much. (laughs) I don't know how much that matters, and I don't know how much that's going to be in Sean McVay's head because this is a very different offense. This was, a you know, that offense in the Super Bowl, that was a Cooper Cup that was boomer bust and nobody really, yeah, he was just a guy on the team. Now he is the guy, and he's one of the top receivers in the NFL. And depending on what statistics you're looking at, he's the top guy. McVay is smart enough that he was able to see that Cooper Cup wasn't getting open. They were doubling him, doing everything they could to try and shut him down last week. What do they do? They're like, oh, yeah, we we got this OBJ guy. We'll make sure to get him more involved. And having Cam Akers as an option, being back, Nothing against Sony Michelle and absolutely nothing against Daryl Henderson, even though he's been hurt anyway. Cam Akers, man, you know, I I questioned the pick because they had just picked Henderson the previous year and he was injured, missed a lot of the season. I get it. There's no questioning the pick of Cam Akers anymore. A fresh Cam Akers in the playoffs is a scary thing, and you can bet that McVay is going to establish the run. And then when he does pass, it's going to be tough for him because, like we've talked about a little bit earlier, you can't cover everybody. Absolutely right. So I do want to say in wrapping up the NFC side here that it would be a huge redemption for me from my preseason picks if we didn't have all four teams of the NFC West make the playoffs, but if we get an all-NFC West NFC Championship game, I'd be okay with that. I, I'm here for it, man. That would be, that'd be all. And it's it's unfortunate that we had a NFC West versus NFC West matchup in the first round, right? Um, that's Decreased just how our odds. Yeah, so it's it, okay. it really it's okay. <laughs> really hurt us there. That's it, though, man. Unless you got anything left for the NFC, I really I don't. I think that's I all we got for the NFL, yeah. man. It's gonna be so, a, it's gonna be a fun week. Hundred percent, gonna be a fun week. I certainly hope so. Last week was not, so <laughs> we'll see. I think too. One thing that we didn't mention: both the Bills and the Chiefs provided us with a big man touchdown last week. So while Bengals Titans will still be the best game, I've said it a hundred times: it better damn be the best game. Uh, Bills Chiefs absolutely got to be a game we got to be most excited for. Who's going to get the first big man touchdown? I want to see five touchdowns in a row for both teams to start this game, each from different offensive linemen. <laughs> I want to see Travis Kelsey throw a big man touchdown. He got a TD pass last week. I want to see him get a second in two straight weeks and have it be to a lineman. Let's go nuts. I want to see Travis Kelsey throw one to the left tackle. Uh, Tyreek Hill throwing the left guard. Uh, let's get let's get Clyde Edwards-Helaire throwing one to Reed Humphrey. Let's get uh, just keep going. This is crazy. Good, man. Josh Allen goes two for two on the day for eleven yards. The rest of the passing was actually done by Devin Singletary. <laughs> just goes off for some reason. 
Why not? Let's do it. That won't happen, but that'd be fun. <laughs> that sounds like some FCF football right there. Dude, why not? We need some we need some fans calling plays. That's what I that's what we really need this week. That's the only thing that would make it better. Or <sighs> another game on Nickelodeon. That too. Did you see the numbers for that? I did not. Something like forty five million people watched this game. That might that might I might have heard a little bit wrong. That sounds unbelievable. Maybe it was four point five million. Four point five sounds a lot more reasonable. Might be more accurate. But it was the most viewed playoff game in like seven years, is what I heard. Like that's just <laughs> that's insane. And granted, yes, the Cowboys draw a lot of people, and especially this Cowboys 49ers matchup, like that was gonna draw a lot of people, but you put it on Nickelodeon. Right. Last year they put they had the Bears Saints on Nickelodeon and it didn't draw as many people. That's not the only part of this equation, right? I mean, to be fair, nobody thought the Bears Saints was gonna be all that good, right? It was kind of like, how do the Bears make the playoffs? What are we what are we doing here? This is a traditional rivalry, traditional playoff rivalry. Yep. Happened to be on Nickelodeon. Also, gotta say it's really fantastic. This is a huge rebuttal to all the bad announcing that we've been getting on, uh, like I don't know, every other network. So get some get some Nickelodeon guys in there, just talk some nonsense. Why not? Why not? Before I we see get a out comment of... there, 42 million viewers. That is insane. I legitimately, that is hard for me to believe. Why? Wow. You know, I should have just stuck with it. I should have just shoved it in your face. I heard right. 42 million. And like, when I saw your face, I was like, I had to have heard wrong. I had to have heard wrong. Thank you, Bobby, for, for backing, backing me up on that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. This was... This was massive. I don't know that the Super Bowls have that many viewers. I'm sure it has, but that seems even unbelievable for a Super Bowl. I mean, but, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bobby. Uh, yeah, man. Before we get out of here, though, we got some socials to shout out. They've been scrolling across the bottom this whole time, just in case you've missed them or want to hear them. For the audio listen- listeners, for sure, they'll be in the description. But you can find us at patreon.com backslash BDT football, twitter.com backslash BDT football, or just at BDT football, facebook.com BDT football, or you can search Big Dudes in the Trenches. If you're watching us on Facebook, you can just click that up at the top there, and it should take you to our Facebook page, instagram.com backslash BDT underscore football, and then bdtfootball.com. You can find our blogs. We're going to get back more into that a little bit. Like I said, last episode had a little bit of a move going on here, uh, getting that all together. If you have any questions, when you find our next live stream, which should be Monday, Tuesday, we haven't completely decided on that yet. But you can definitely comment with any questions you have there, or you can send us an email, mailbox at bdtfootball.com. If you're watching this on Twitch, I will still host this on my personal Twitch channel, Big Ben 44 or you can go check out our BDT Twitch channel. It should be there uh, by next by our next uh, next podcast here. So get up for that. Please go uh, share this anywhere that you can. Let your friends know. Like, share, follow, all that fun stuff. 
I got nothing else as far as the uh, socials go. You got any parting shots here, Doug? I really don't, man. I'm just looking forward to some decent football for once. Feels like a long time since we had any good ones. It it really does. It really <laughs> does. <laughs> what do you got for us, man? Any parting shots from you? Well, I, I want to pick it up a little bit because talking about how bad some of these recent games have been, I've got I've got a question for you that I think you'll you'll find quite quite interesting. Okay. What do you call a fish wearing a bow tie? Um, you know, I couldn't tell you. So fish decated. Understandable. <laughs> we'll see everybody. Thank you for watching <laughs> us. Thank you for joining us. If you're just an audio listener, have a good one. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We got to do Tugson, right? Fuck no. <laughs> Peace out, Girl Scout. <laughs> Thank you.